Hello and welcome to Okawa Book Club. I'm your host, Hannah. I'm your host, John. And we're here today to talk about the new book, The Challenge of Enlightenment, Now Here, The New Dharma Wheel Turns. And this is the most anticipated Buddhist title of all time. This is a very thorough and very uh, detailed approach to how to incorporate the Buddhist teachings in your daily life. And how about you, John? Could you read off chapter one, the different sections? Sure. Chapter one is what is the spirit of Buddhism? And the sections are the first turning of the wheel of Dharma, the middle way between pain and pleasure, the request of the Brahma for the turning of the wheel of Dharma, discovery of the four noble truths, the four pains and the eight pains, the cause of suffering, eliminating suffering through the eightfold path, and the endless path to perfection. Yes. And that's just in the first chapter, but uh, as Hannah said, this is an incredibly, and I would say absolutely the most comprehensive Buddhist book that has ever been published, uh, which not only does away with all of the countless misconceptions about Buddhism mm-hmm. that have developed over the past 2,600 years or so, but also is just incredibly pragmatic and practical. It's something that could be applied immediately to make noticeable changes in your life. Yes. So how about I start off by reading the preface for part one. The fundamental sutra book of happy science is the true words spoken by Buddha. The basic doctrine is the exploration of the right mind, and the practical expansion of this doctrine is known as the principles of happiness, consisting of four principles, love, wisdom, self-reflection, and progress, that are also known as the modern fourfold path. The central ideas of these teachings can be summed up in three main concepts, love, enlightenment, and the creation of utopia. The love I teach is love that gives, based on the Buddhist spirit of compassion and selfless giving. Enlightenment is the manifestation of Buddha nature of each individual. The different levels of enlightenment correspond to the multidimensional structure of the real world. The creation of utopia comes from Sangha, an order conceived in Buddha's ideal world where a peaceful society is created by people who learn Buddha's teachings. The ideas of love and enlightenment can be bridged through the philosophy of the developmental stages of love, as described in the Laws of the Sun. This philosophy unites the civilizations of the West and East. These ideas will become the spiritual pillars for creating a new civilization, an ideal world on a global scale. In this way, the three concepts of love, enlightenment, and the creation of utopia will come together to achieve the ideals of Buddha. In this book, The Challenge of Enlightenment, I have mainly focused on the issue of enlightenment. This is an attempt to cast light on the various teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, who attained enlightenment in India more than 2,500 years ago, and re-examine them from the standpoint of truth that happy science has currently reached with the hope of revealing the true meaning of these teachings. As you read this book, you will see how it highlights the errors, the misinterpretations in Buddhist studies, and the mistakes made in the doctrines of various Buddhist organizations. This book is by no means about the challenge of attaining enlightenment, but rather is an attempt to answer questions about the possibilities that enlightenment 
represents in today's world. Does enlightenment really have the power to take away people's suffering and anxieties and open up a new world for the future? Can Buddha's enlightenment be brought back to life in these times to cast light on the future? Is Buddha's law worthy of the title eternal law? Therefore, this book indeed represents not only the challenge of enlightenment, but also the challenge of Ryuho Okawa and the challenge of happy science. Ryuho Okawa, Master and CEO of Happy Science Group, June 1993. So I really enjoyed that preface because he says it's not about the challenge of attaining enlightenment, but the possibilities that enlightenment represents in today's world. And when I read that, I contemplated on it a little bit, and I felt that um, if it represents the possibilities of enlightenment, it also gives us a hint. Like, if all these teachings were applied and manifested, we can see a future that Ryuho Okawa has built, or that happy science. Like, how will this world prosper based on these teachings? And it's kind of a world that I would really like to see, and I can only see great things. But it's really exciting to know the possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's what's incredible is we can all, as individuals, contribute towards that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not anything beyond reach. It's just a matter of all of us making the effort in it. Mm-hmm. It's like taking on the challenge. Right. Not being challenged too yeah. much, I think. <laughs> I like that. Which I think, in the first chapter, it does discuss how a Shakyamuni Buddha developed a, a middle way where it wasn't so much you know at the time in india people thought that the equivalent of enlightenment i suppose was almost developing like psychic abilities and superpowers and they i think believe they called them cities and instead uh, what shakyamuni buddha taught was that there's actually a middle way that an average person is able to achieve mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, like, today there's all these, like, superhero movies, like the Avengers and so on and so forth. And it's always these really extraordinary dynamics <laughs> that are changing the world positively. Extreme dynamics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely extreme. Um, when in reality, it's living in the middle way, balancing between pain and pleasure and living with moderation is really more effective and impactful than flying yeah (laughs) and anything like that definitely yeah in this book he talks about how you know the aesthetic training and all that you see it in in the movies too they're like fighting in a little you know dojo or like boot camp and then they apply it but you can't really go out into the world just like you know karate chopping your way through (laughs) but when i was reading this i mean he gave us the example of he entered the middle way by realizing that life is suffering period and you have to accept that and it's not just suffering but there is a way to go about life and it's about improving your soul and but i wonder do you have to go through the extremities in order to figure that out or i mean human beings are so immature sometimes i am speaking for myself but a lot of the times you learn things, you're like, oh, no, but I might be a little different or special or, no, this is the way to do it. Right. But then you realize later, no, he was right. You don't have to go through the extremities. Like a lot of teenagers, they will have to try and dabble and mm-hmm. figure life out before realizing. Right. Do you think that because we read this, we don't have to go through extremities anymore? Or I, I think if we 
read it with a sense of faith and mm. and take it in mm. uh, it's hard to say though because I, I do think that many humans are including myself in my younger years you know we sort of even as we're getting older the, our spiritual maturity is still like a toddler mm-hmm. you know and we're feeling our way around and we have to touch that hot stove sometimes yeah. <laughs> to yeah. realize that and yet and we could read this and it, it really makes it a lot simpler for us mm, like mm-hmm. the, it's all just there right. like uh, it would save us quite a lot of unnecessary suffering yeah because there are forms of suffering that we're all going to experience that are inevitable in life and we often compound that mm-hmm. i think yeah that's true <laughs> including just refusing to accept the inevitability that, that is true I also think we don't know when we're in an extreme situation a lot of the Mm. time, right? Like we're, we need to step back and contemplate in order to realize that we're in, hold on, like I'm extremely negative or I'm way too positive. And it's about eliminating those two extremes and entering the middle way. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, in my work as a psychotherapist, the middle way is absolutely the core of everything I do. Mm. Like when I meet a new patient. Mm -hmm what I'm really looking for is how where is the imbalance mm-hmm. and where are they too far to one side or the other and then the process is about bringing them back to that central point mm. uh, for me and I think that's really what it comes down to because yeah. if we can try to live in that middle place which is it's a dynamic thing too it's I often say it's like riding a bicycle on a tightrope it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a life of, mm-hmm. and I think that's where enlightenment uh, as Master Okawa has said is it's not a static point it is uh, something that is worked on and maintained mm. you know and, and part of it really is in that middle way yeah yeah he does say at the end it's never ending right and never never ending so it keeps us humble and keeps us making efforts but yeah in end of section two he says gotama thought that the true meaning of enlightenment was to attain wisdom while living an ordinary human life so yeah, I think a lot of the time people want to be so special and that's what makes them go into these extreme situations. But there is beauty and progress in living an ordinary human life and to just keep going forward every day in the middle way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is one of the forms of suffering is maybe especially in this time, people just wanting to live, you know, to be larger than life. Mm -hmm. and going through life like that and then Mm -hmm. often at some point i would speculate around the age of 30 or so many people start to realize like maybe start to come down to earth a little bit more (laughs) and it's often very hard (laughs) you know to realize like okay like i had all these ideals that were probably excessive Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. now and unrealistic (laughs) yeah yes and in the third section it talks about the request of the Brahma, or the high spirits in heaven, for the turning of the wheel of Dharma. Yeah, I think it, it's really profound. I mean, Brahma, as the ethnic god of India, had asked Shakyamuni to teach. And that's that was Shakyamuni transcending mm-hmm. the state of enlightenment and wisdom of the ethnic god of India, which then 
contemporarily, like Buddhism, even if it's not seen as atheistic, could be seen as transtheistic, like you're meant to become God or, or something. You know, it, it's always just taken out of context. Mm-hmm. And I think really, but even that dynamic, it's a misreading, like so many other things of Shakyamuni himself mm-hmm. reaching that level of enlightenment mm-hmm. and being the person who was uniquely authorized to be providing these teachings and, and this path for everybody. Mm. Yes, and it continues saying, well, the Brahma said, go teach those five disciples that you used to train with. And he says, nobody will understand. It's, it's <laughs> too complicated. And when they met him, they're like, oh, it's the it's the dropout. But they were amazed by his, blinded by his, the light that he was emitting. Mm. And I, you know, in a way I can... I think maybe I can understand why Shakyamuni thought it was too complicated and mm. that people wouldn't understand it. I mean, because here we are all this time later. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we've needed it to be <laughs> taught to us again. In the- 2,500 years. Yeah. <laughs> the chapter is called, What is the Spirit of Buddhism? And in section four, he talks about the four noble truths. And he mentions that he taught those followers the middle way as a correct attitude for a seeker. So I think that's the first point of having the spirit of Buddhism. And also, I thought it was wonderful how he said, while applying a certain degree of discipline to your life, you must live your life, your present life, to the fullest. And it's by no means of making your life less wonderful Mm. entering the middle way. It's about actually making it more wonderful. I think that is a point that a lot of people get turned off by. Mm. Unfortunately, they think it no, I want to live a more wonderful, extravagant life. That's fine, but do it with a degree of discipline right. and for others. And that is the middle way. So it's very doable, and it's a way of having more happiness and progress as well. Yeah, and I think it's like, it sort of is a matter of giving it the benefit of the doubt, like maybe trying to live that ultra-extravagant way of life only in a self-centered way mm. isn't really bringing you fulfillment most of the time, you know, and you're wondering why you're not feeling fulfilled no matter what. And mm-hmm. sometimes trying something that you haven't tried is, is actually... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you want to read off the Four Noble Truths? So the Four Noble Truths, uh, the first is the inevitability of suffering in life. Uh, through the four pains, which are birth, aging, illness, and death, and the eight pains, which are the pain of parting from people you love, the pain of meeting people you dislike, the pain of not getting what you want, and the pain of having worldly delusions that come from the five senses. And none of us can escape the four pains and the eight pains. They are completely inevitable. And so as the first of the Four Noble Truths, it's really, it's accepting Mm. that those things are inevitable. We're not going to be exempt from them. The second of the Four Noble Truths is to discover the cause of suffering. And essentially it comes down to discovering what the heart of the problems are. And instead of complaining, it's about analyzing and reflecting on what is causing the suffering, because it's not that pains that uh, I just listed are inherently problematic. Those things are inevitable parts of life, so then what is the cause of the suffering? And the third of the Noble Truths is the truth that there can be an extinction of suffering. So even in the midst of those forms of suffering, the experience of suffering due to them can be eliminated. And it's 
we, we can visualize a state in which our suffering is eliminated and generate a determination to eliminate the suffering. And the way that we do that is through the fourth of the Noble Truths, which is by entering into the Eightfold Path. And the way that Master Okawa presents the Eightfold Path uh, does differ from the original order. And the reason for that is that it's arranged and taught in a way that is practical for this time and this era. And in order, they are right view, right speech, right action, right living, right thought, right effort, right will, and right meditation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and in the book, we all have problems and we all have suffering and because we're all alive. But if you're listening and you have a problem, I highly suggest that you go through these steps and you will definitely see a new perspective in your problem, a new path. And when I read this, especially on page 34, you really only suffer because you don't realize the meaning of life, period. It's about faith and choosing to grow in your situation and and choosing love, I think. And it's so wonderfully laid out these steps and they're flawless really and being in happy science for many years myself i forget these the method of getting out of my problems honestly and it really kind of awakened this part of me i'm like oh my gosh what am i doing i have this as laid out in front of me i'm gonna really put these four noble truths on my refrigerator or something <laughs> or in the window bath or the mirror in the bathroom because it really does help you out and the last being the path to really eliminating your suffering and problems is reflection, self-reflection through those eight steps, those eightfold paths, really examining your mind. You will find something wrong or a way that you want to try out. So it's really about trial and error and being open and willing to change. And so, yeah, I just felt this is such an amazing way of solving our issues, not just accepting the issue, but actually working through them and growing from them. So, yeah, I just really loved reading all of this, all of these steps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's, it's just presented in such a practical way mm-hmm. that anybody can put into practice and find a solution to the problems that we're faced with. Yeah, and I think it's notable that um, he mentions that it's the endless path to perfection. It's almost like uh, two extremes, like it's endless and then perfection is almost complete, right? So it's, you keep going and there's no end and there's always new people you meet, new people you dislike. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things change in life all the time, so we just have to keep rolling and going like the Dharma wheel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, uh, yeah, I've definitely encountered and even experienced myself reaching a point where, like, spiritually, you're feeling, like, great, and then you run (laughs) into something that that day, and (laughs) it's like you're thrown off the balance and have to find your way back onto it. Yep, yeah. But the system is here. Yes, and I think that's what um, Shakyamuni Buddha was showing us. He's like, I did all the aesthetic training, and he did go, what am I doing this for? And, yeah the middle way just being healthy and positive and keep going forward with discipline is the way out so i'm going to end with reading from the fourth paragraph on page 61 on the path of spiritual discipline to enlightenment observe the middle way denying extremes it is important for a seeker to maintain this attitude then learn the four noble truths 
suffering, its cause, its extinction, and the path. First, you must realize that life is suffering, that living in delusion on the basis of a wrong view of life makes you suffer. Next, find the cause of your suffering. Then, be determined to eliminate it and attain happiness. To attain this goal, you have been given the Eightfold Path. These are the eight signposts pointing the way. Practice this path every day. Then you will be able to correct yourself. The Eightfold Path leads to the middle way and allows you to develop yourself from the middle way. This is the Eightfold Path. In this way, Shakyamuni first taught the eternal path toward perfection. It is a path that knows no end. This is the meaning of the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. So the Challenge of Enlightenment will be available at major bookstores such as Barnes & Noble and Amazon starting on December 15th. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.